Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in another episode of Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casazza, continuing on here uh, with our preview of West Virginia Big 12 opponents. Today, we stop on Texas Tech. We go to the expert of all things Red Raiders, the publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com, Jarrett Johnson. Jarrett, we were just talking about this. There's no offseason for players and teams and coaches, not for us either. And between football and basketball, it's been an eventful, I mean, a long eventful time for you, a number of seasons and off seasons now too. But I guess what are you learning about the football team here throughout this off season with, um, you know, some significant changes that we'll get into. Yeah, Mike, first off, thanks for having me on. Y'all do a great job over there. And, uh, you know, the 24-7 Sports Network is just a, a great thing. I, I love doing this stuff with all the sites. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, in, in terms of, Learning this offseason, well, of course, it's a completely new regime. Uh, there's a lot of excitement uh, in terms of Joey McGuire, the new head coach, taking over. He's done a good job of re- recruiting. They were as high as the top recruiting class at one point because they got so many commits so fast. Uh, but I, I, they're settling in in top 20, top 15 area right now. We'll see where it ends. But uh, on paper, it's looking really good in recruiting, of course. And then in terms of uh, development in the team, they had a really good spring. Um, They kept it really close to the vest. They allowed us there a lot, but then they didn't really show a lot while we were there. It was one of those things. Um, But there weren't any major injuries, which is always good. That's always the the main things you want to see. But I think the main thing right now is while there's a lot of excitement, there's a tech has a pretty tough schedule, a much tougher schedule this year than last year. And so we're kind of learning all right, or, or trying to figure out where the expectations should be, considering, yes, there's a lot of excitement with this new coaching staff. They came off a big bowl win, good season last year. A lot of guys returning from that team. But this tough schedule, where exactly is this team? And uh, I think there's a lot of questions out there. What kind of head coach at the collegiate level is Joey McGuire? Um, of course, he was a Hall of Fame high school coach. Actually, when I was at the Four Star Telegram way back in the day, I covered some of his teams, so I'm familiar with some of his style. But this is, a, you know, obviously a whole nother level, whole nother game. So the, there's a lot of questions. Just what kind of in-game decisions is he going to make? What, what style exactly is the team going to play with? Is there going to be a major difference with that? And then just how are they going to use personnel? So um, it's definitely another interesting uh, offseason for sure uh, here at, uh, in West Texas. So I'll be happy, Jared. You set the table perfectly for me here. You left a whole lot of meat on that bone, though. I want to pick out it, including McGuire. Um, we'll get to him because he's extremely intriguing to me from afar. And I'm sure up close the story is the same. But let's begin at the ending, if you will, and talk about this season here. You mentioned the schedule and like it's no joke. It's it's kind of ridiculous either. Opening against Murray State, fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Houston at NC State against Texas at Kansas State at Oklahoma State. No break. No. Going to know a lot about this team right away. And, like, 
listen, they'll win the first one, I would think, unless things are bad. But those are all potentially losable games for a team that um, could become pretty good as it grows during the season. And then maybe it wins some of the games at the end. But I don't know if you want to play them early or late. But just the non-conference is incredible when you look at those two names. You said NC State. A lot of people think NC State may be like a fringe CFP sleeper. And then three of the top Big 12 teams all in succession, too. Who who do they tick off over in the, the athletic department there? <laughs> yeah, you know, these schedules are set up way in advance. So the NC State game is just kind of like the timing of it is uh, yeesh. You know, uh, I was talking to a couple of people in ACC territory, you know, and they were saying, yeah, NC State, this is probably the best team or it's expected to be the best team they've fielded in, in two decades. So, and it's always tough to play there. They have a really good environment out there. So that's, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be tough. As far as Houston, absolutely Houston could beat Tech. I mean, I think to, to not acknowledge that would be disingenuous. But at the same time, Tech has beaten them four straight times in the last decade or so, 12 years, including last year in Houston, though it was at NRG Stadium, the Houston-Texas Stadium. Uh, so, yeah, very tough schedule. If they don't beat Murray State, then what are we even talking about to open the season at home? <laughs> Houston at home at NC State. They need to go two and one, obviously, in that stretch. And then, like you said, Texas at home. I, you know, I, I don't know if you have the same perspective as this, but even in recruiting and just preseason, Texas is always overrated. You know, mm-hmm. the recruits get a bump. I, they get a lot of flack for not developing recruits, but you see it where let's say like a, just for example, a Texas tech or West Virginia offers a, like a, maybe a high mid to high three-star then Texas offers. And all of a sudden they're a four-star. And then if they go to Texas, it's like, well, maybe they weren't really a four-star. Don't get me wrong. They get great talent, but I think some of that is inflated. So that's just my philosophy on that with Texas. And then again, they're always preseason ranked really like I didn't have them winning the conference or even in the top three, honestly, mm-hmm. but also tech struggles against even uh, poor or for Texas, poor Texas teams. So uh, you can't, uh, I can't sit here on paper and say, Oh, that's a win Texas at home. Uh, and then Kansas state, even bad Kansas state teams have owned tech lately. I think the last win tech has had against Kansas state was at home in 2015 when Patrick Mahomes was here and uh, they had a whole big 12 running back in DeAndre Washington too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's something they're going to have to end. They're going to have to end that streak. Uh, and then at Oklahoma state who figures to be, you know, to challenge for, uh, you know, the big 12 title again and good team, but in, they had tech's number for a long time, but tech has won a couple games in the last four years against Oklahoma state when they were ranked. So, even though it's there, I think they won in Stillwater three years ago. Uh, gets a little hazy here, runs together, but relatively recently. I'm not marking that as a win, but bottom line is they got to win one of those three games. They have to split those first six games before they get that bye because the rest of the schedule is tough. You have West, you know, West Virginia is tough. Uh, Baylor, you have Kansas, thankfully, uh, for, for Texas Tech. But it's just it's a really tough schedule and the goal the overall goal with the schedule when I look at it is getting back to a bowl they just get they win six games in the regular season get to another bowl all the benefits of that the extra practice being able to use it on the recruiting trail all that it could be a good foundation moving forward with some of the recruiting that Joey McGuire and his staff is doing I got to think West Virginia is circling the October 22 game 
Neil Brown hasn't beaten Texas Tech yet. Uh, that's the one time in the schedule, Jarrett, where the opponent has more preparation time than West Virginia. It's kind of a strange thing. Like West Virginia's schedule is pretty conducive to like extra rest, extra days, even on like days where there's like a Thursday game or something like that. They have more time than the opponent. That's the one. They're coming off an open week and they got to travel all the way to Lubbock. So that could be a, an advantage for them, especially if they try to get to six wins. But I understand the goal, especially for a first season head coach and a schedule that looks like that. That seems like a pretty obvious topic to be talking about down in Lubbock, which leads me to this. Let's go to the opposite of that. You know this team, you know this program, people who follow your website certainly do. I would hope that people who follow West Virginia want to know about Texas Tech. They would navigate on over and check you guys out and see what the deal is. So the obvious stuff is obvious. Garrett, what's off the radar? What's kind of like just beneath the surface that that has your attention? Something, someone you're going to be keeping an eye on. Maybe it got your attention in the spring. You want to see it in the fall. Maybe you expect it'll become a big deal in the fall. But, you know, come the time these two teams play, West Virginia fans, Texas Tech fans are going to say, you know what, Jarrett was right. I heard on that podcast. This thing that I've been following for a while, and, and here it is. Who or what do you think it is? Something that, that could matter that we might not be talking about now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I say this, and it's on the website, but it doesn't get a lot of traction because it's not, you know, air quotes, sexy. But the right side of Texas Tech's offensive line is a problem. I, I, they have very good skill positions coming back. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterback, but I really like all three quarterbacks in consideration. Um, Running back is about as good as Tech has had in a while. Receivers, they have a stable of big dudes, fast dudes, highly rated guys. And they have some veterans coming back on the left side of the offensive line. But the right side of the offensive line, um, they've they've gone to the transfer portal. They're going to plug some guys in there. A guy named Cole Spencer, who was at Western Kentucky, was Zach Kittley, the new offensive coordinator. Uh, He was an all-conference player in Conference USA, so they expect him to be a good player at, at right guard. But right tackle. If I'm opposing defensive coordinator, I'm putting my best pass rusher on that guy and trying to single him up somehow, figuring out how to get him singled up. Because there's about three or four guys auditioning. Um, and my thing is, there's a dark horse who I like named Ethan Card. He's mm-hmm. 6'8", 315 pounds, and he's known as an athlete. Like, he's a good golfer. I don't know how a guy that size actually can even swing on a consistent basis mm-hmm. uh, for you golfers out there. But he's a, he's a good athlete. He started some games early in his career, uh, but struggled. He, he was a lot of people didn't notice, but he was he had a really bad back injury, but you know persevered through that, but struggled due to that back injury and just some inexperience. He looked really good in the spring. He's healthy. If he can solidify that right tackle spot, that could be huge uh, for Texas Tech's offense because they have all the a lot of the pieces to be a really good offense with Zach Kitley coming in as new offensive coordinator. So that's something where if that takes place, if they solidify that spot, perhaps the ceiling grows by a game or two and they surprise some folks in the Big 12. If not, then that bowl game uh, opportunity might be in jeopardy because, you know, the margin for error is so thin. Perhaps this season in the Big 12 as much as ever. seems like there's some good teams, not necessarily great teams, not a lot of poor teams. There's solid Big 12 teams this year, so. The margin for error is just really thin, and that's something that could that could really hinder uh, Texas Tech if they don't figure that out. Again, we'll pin that because West Virginia's defensive line, and they kind of hope the pass rush could be a strength this year. And if you can kind of get through one side, turn it into a turnstile, uh, that certainly helps their pass rush there. So we'll keep an eye on that one there. Let's pivot to um, kind of a specific question for Texas Tech. Uh, the Joey McGuire story is really cool 
if you're just learning it or if you followed for a long time, I, I really struggle to think of a, a higher in recent years that made a lot of people in the sport and around the sport happier than this one because everybody seems to like him in that state, whether they cover the state, um, if they're in high schools or colleges, because he just seems like a good guy. And then I look at his coaching staff and and you start to see it too, like the the names and the quality of coaches. Like you mentioned uh, Kitley, but also uh, Marcel Yates is a defensive coordinator from uh, Boise State in Arizona. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on this staff now too. Kenny Perry's a guy that a lot of people have had high hopes for before as a coach or high praise for. Tim DeRoyter's there. That's a name a lot of people know. Uh, there's just quality up and down the coaching staff. And they're all building something. Like he obviously has this vision here. McGuire because of his experience and his connections and here it is it's working and by the way as you mentioned they had the number one recruiting class for a while too now is it going to stay that way probably not in fact I think they've had some people picked off and it's not number one anymore but it happened and that's because they were producing what is he building there from the inside out when it comes to staff infrastructure culture and why is it working so far this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, there's a number of factors here, but I think it all starts, and I think Coach McGuire would say this, uh, with relationships. And you hear that a lot, and I think it's overused sometimes, but not in this case. As I mentioned before, I actually worked when I was at the newspaper in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. I covered a lot of high school sports, and I worked with McGuire some. I worked with Coach Kenny Perry a lot more. He was at Arlington Bowie, which has produced a lot of Division One talent, and They've never been better than when he was there as, as the head coach. And uh, I mean, I, they're the type of people that have an open door policy and it's with other coaches, media, you name it. And I don't know where they find the time, but coach McGuire is the kind of dude that makes everybody when he's talking with them individually, feel like the most special person in the room and the residual of doing that for, for decades is what you're seeing where people are they want him to have success, whether it be uh, other head coaches around the state or, uh, you know, younger generations, like kids of players who played for coach McGuire, kids of coaches who coach with uh, McGuire and, and Kenny Perry and Emmett Jones, Zarnell Fitch, the defensive line coach they got from TCU has been huge in recruiting. They're recruiting defensive line better than I've ever seen Texas tech. Maybe in the nineties they did better, but uh that was a little before my time, but it's just creating these relationships. Like I, going around town, everybody has a story, their own personal story with Coach McGuire and how he took time out of his day to make them feel special. So there's a genuineness to it, which is you got to be genuine if you're going to succeed in West Texas and, and at Texas Tech. 
Um, so those are the first things, but then work ethic, ability. I think they have some really good uh, personnel in terms of uh, head of recruiting player personnel. James Blanchard is a superstar. He was at Baylor. He went with Matt Rule to Carolina for a season, but came back to join Coach McGuire's staff. He's amazing. He, he's as, as good as I've ever seen in, in that role. So they have a lot of things working for them, but I, I really, I just circle back to, I mean, I have my own story from 2013 or something when Coach McGuire helped me with uh, high school playoff scenarios, which is always challenging, especially if you're challenged <laughs> with math like I am. I know the story. Uh, so, right? He has like, uh, he actually helped me where he had a, like a big board of the whole state mapped up, mapped out of playoff scenarios. Uh, Coach, ironically, Coach Kenny Perry told me when I called him for help this, this one year with playoffs, some confusing playoff scenarios, he said, call Joey McGuire. He's got you. And it was very much like the meme or a conspiracy theory where people were like, <laughs> all these things are tied together, but he helped me out. And, you know, it, it was, it was very genuine and uh, very cool. And so many people have stories like that and even more so. And, you know, that, that matters. That matters in, in college sports. That matters in Texas. And uh, his role as the uh, the head of the Texas High School Coaches Association and how he helped out so many coaches it, it has been huge. And so you have basically this giant network of high school coaches who are sending him guys before they're known. I've had to create more recruiting uh, profiles of guys who've blown up and end up getting offered by Alabama and Texas that tech was the first ones to find out about because these coaches want to see McGuire succeed. So that, that kind of, those kind of relationships and his reputation is just invaluable. It's a, it's a great story. It's like a, I mean, it's like a Friday night lights kind of thing. You think about it, I know it's yeah. cliche, but you're talking about a guy who I think I want to say what, 14 years at Cedar Hill. He was almost a yeah. hundred games above 500, three state titles. One was in 06 and the next two were in 12 and 13. So he got there didn't get there and then got back there again. And I think this is his sixth year in college football. Like it's quite a rise for him and earned too. I think a lot of people were happy to see that. And usually you know, sometimes you get jealousy among hires or you're like, what happened here? But I think a lot of people were, were pretty happy about that was well earned there too. So there's a star on the sideline. I mentioned some of the staff. Uh, you've kind of ticked off a couple positions to watch there two positions of strength on offense, obviously kind of like their secondary Jarrett, which is not something that you often say about Texas tech, or at least that side of the ball. But um, let's kind of tick off some players here. Who are guys to watch that could elevate this team to where it wants to be? Yeah, their safety position is as good as it's been since, you know, tech was nationally relevant back when the Mike Leach era. Uh, they have three safeties I really like. Muddy Waters is a guy transferring from Duke. He was a big-time player there uh, in the ACC. He came in last year, had a really good start to the season, got hurt, missed most of the year, was granted another season. He's going to play a hybrid-type role for Texas Tech, which, you know, he looks, he has, I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL player necessarily, but he has an NFL-type body. He has, he's as experienced as you're going to find even in this uh, COVID eligibility extra year uh, era. So I really like him. Reggie Pearson transferred in from Wisconsin. He was a starter and one of the most physical players on the Badgers defense. Uh, when they, they went to the Rose Bowl that year, I don't remember if they won or not, uh, but he, as a redshirt freshman, he's a really good player. Uh, he's very versatile, but adds a physical element. And I think uh, we call him Rabbit, but uh, Dadrian Taylor Dimerson is could be one of Tech's best players. And uh, I, to me, he's an all Big Twelve performer. Even in games when Tech struggled on defense, where there was 
uh, last season where it was really hard to find a bright spot. He was a bright spot. I think he was an all-state running back coming out of Oklahoma and immediately was moved to safety, you know, got some playing time as a freshman and he steadily developed. I think that guy's going to be a really good player. And I think he has a bright future in the NFL. I I really do believe that about him. So those three guys are actually going to be on the field a lot at the same time. As y'all know, if you're listening to this, you're a college football fan. I mean, solid safety play can really clean up a lot of uh, mistakes and uh, areas of, I'd say, weaknesses or or, uh, non-strengths. So I I really like that position. Corner, they bring back some experience, but safety's where the strength is uh, this year. That And they return a lot of veteran guys on the defensive line who are good players. Uh, Tyree Wilson. Uh, it's going to be playing a stand-up, you know, high, one of those hybrids everybody has now, defensive and like a rush linebacker. Uh, he's going to be in coverage some, but they're going to move him around the defense, and they're going to, like I was saying, how people should attack Tech's right tackle position, they're going to try and find weaknesses and really get him, you know, in some advantageous situations so he can get after the quarterback. So if things fall into place the way they're, they're saying, then, yeah, I think Tech's defense is going to be improved next year. Adrian Fry's still around too, right? He is. And, you know, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever encountered. Yeah. He's a really smart, intelligent dude. He was a all Ameri- uh, freshman All-American as a corner. And then the Wells coaching staff moved him to safety, and he struggled mightily. He's been moved back to corner. He's playing some kick return or punt return for, for Tech as well. So he'll be in the mix there. And he adds depth. But I'm he's a guy you root for. You can't help it. You get to know him through the recruiting process and watch him develop. And, He's just a really neat, good human being, it seems like. And I'm rooting for him to have a good season, um, but we'll just have to see because it's been very up and down uh, for him for in his career. Last one with Jared Johnson here from Inside the Red Raiders. We began at the ending with the outlook for the season, how it might finish. Let's end at the beginning. Everything in the Big 12 starts a quarterback play. You can go from top to bottom in the standings and find a storyline with quarterback. No different out in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I thought it was a two-person race. You mentioned three. I've heard that from now multiple sources, none better than you, of course, but they have guys who can do different things. It may just depend on what the offense leans to or what's already leaning to already, but maybe there's one quarterback who's just so good they have to wrap the offense around him. Uh, Who do we have here and how does it look? Well, I'll start with Tyler Shuck. Uh, You know, he transferred from Oregon. He started for Oregon for a while. There was a kind of they brought in a new offensive coordinator out of Oregon, and they were rotating this guy in kind of in uh, red zone situations. So he didn't like that situation. Transferred out to Tech. Had a pretty good start to last year. Put up some good numbers. Started that win over Houston, like I mentioned in the opener. Uh, was a little up and down, though. And uh, he he has everything you want in terms of measurables. You know, 6'5", like he's 225. Uh, I think he runs a 4'7". He doesn't have a lot of wiggle. But he's a kind of guy, if the play breaks down, he can sprint straight line and move the chains. Strong arm. Uh, he's the kind of dude you see in spring ball where he doesn't, the ball never hits the ground unless the receiver just drops one right in his hands. Uh, he was actually throwing against into like 60 mile per hour gust, gusting winds out here in West Texas in spring ball. He was they don't say deep. wind in Lubbock, huh? Yeah, right. But even for Lubbock, it was like, ah, hold on to your hat. You can't, you know. You better be wearing like goggles or something or shades so you don't get sand in your eyes. It was that kind of day. It was the day that everybody says, don't go to Lubbock for. Uh, and he was throwing deep outs like it was nothing, uh, which I was like, okay. And the only other guy I've seen do that out here was, was Mahomes. 
So I was like, this guy's arm is as strong as you know you could ask for. Now that's when he's not doesn't have a pass rush in his face and all that. There's there have been uh, some times where it seems like he kind of panics in the pocket, and I don't think it's because he's scared to get hit. He's a tough dude and all that. I think it's just that he wants to succeed. You know, one of those. So uh, that needs to improve. Going through his progressions, uh, you know, being calm in the pocket, all that stuff. Uh, but if that happens, then yeah, the sky's the limit for this guy. Cause he's, you know, he was already on draft boards going into last season just because of his tangibles and then the intangible, he's a great guy. I mean, we've had him on our radio show a couple of times, uh, you know, he kind of guy stays after and signs autographs for all the kids, just good dude, supposed to have a great work ethic. So I really like Tyler Shuck. It's just, can he take that next step in terms of when the bullets are flying? And then there's Donovan Smith, who is six, five, two forty with just a tank and he played some last year, started a lot of the games uh, at the end of last year as a redshirt freshman, won the bowl game against Mississippi state, looked great, started the big win against Iowa state, which got tech bowl eligible last year and actually watched him. He played his senior season at friendship, uh, which is a local school here. Uh, and he was just amazing. Um, he's a lot more elusive than I think people give him credit for. He may not be as fast as Tyler Shuck actually, but he's still a better uh, definitely short yardage because he's, he's so big uh, option as, as a runner. I think they will use him no matter who starts in that uh, with that ability in the red zone some, but he has a good arm. I think it's a misnomer to say he didn't have a good arm. He has a very strong arm. He throws the most catchable ball of all three of them, puts a nice touch on the ball when need be. And he's a gamer. Uh, he might have two or three, three and outs, but then when you need that third down and long throw, he'll, he'll put it on his receiver. So, I really like Donovan Smith. I think if if I had my choice, I would probably say, you know, Donovan Smith should start um, the season. They didn't ask me, of course. Uh, and then the third guy, uh, Baron Morton, one of the most highly rated guys yeah. Tex ever signed, former Elite 11 guy. I mean, his dad's a coach, been a very successful coach out here in West Texas. Of course, Donovan Smith's dad is a coach. He's a running back coach for the New York Giants. Used to be a running back coach at Tech, uh, too. So he has that. As well, but Baron Morton, uh, man, I, I love this kid. Uh, he's gotten to know his family some, his mom, uh, especially his dad. Great, great family, great people. Uh, all three of these quarterbacks can throw on the run. He may be the best at it, which is saying something. Very strong arm, uh, very athletic. He's not as big. He's six two. Uh, I think he's like two fifteen right now. So he has a good, you know, he's big enough. And he has the arm, all that, all the tools. It's just getting that experience. Last year was his true freshman season. He looked a lot better this spring than he did last spring as an early enrollee. So he's progressed enough to be in the conversation. And he might get an opportunity this year, but he might be the quarterback of the future, despite Shuck and Smith still having eligibility after this season remaining. Shuck still has eligibility after this season? <laughs> yeah, we wow. made the COVID. I know. He transferred in with three years of eligibility remaining. So crazy. Well, it sounds like one way or another, they're in good hands, whether it's at the position, leadership, um, different parts of different sides of the ball. Should be fun to watch. And now we know where to train our eyes once the season begins. Jarrett, can't thank you enough for scheduling this, taking out the time to help me out. Um, where can people find you? What can they expect over at your site? Yeah, inside the red raiders.com. Uh, part, of course, part of the, part of the 24 7 Sports Network. 
Uh, yeah, what to expect is just you know, more craziness, conference realignment. Uh, we're trying to stay plugged in just like everybody else to what's happening. Uh, recruiting, recruiting's great, you know, better than ever for both, both uh, tech football, tech basketball. Um, expect a, a very exciting football and basketball season. Uh, so expect more craziness. You can find me at Twitter at, at Johnson Jarrett and uh, at you can find inside the Red Raiders at TTU 247. So, Mike, thanks for having me. And, uh, man, anytime. I always enjoy doing this stuff with you all because, like I said before, you all do an amazing job over there. You're the best and we're better for having listened to your wisdom. Jarrett, thanks. We'll do this again soon. Sounds good. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.